Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Grace. We're uh, in the middle of a series right now that we're called The Imitation Brand. And uh, in The Imitation Brand, what we're doing is we're looking at different pathways of life. One which we were raised in, our culture, just our home life, everything that we were taught is normal and good and what we should pursue. And then we're kind of comparing that to what Christ would say, what Christ would value, what he would want, how he might uh, call us to live. These two pathways are interesting and fascinating and important because the Bible says there is a way that seems right unto a man, but in the end it leads to death. There is a, a way to live that our culture has said, this is what success is, this is what purpose is, this is what meaning is. Maybe our family taught us that, right? It's the way that seems right. It's our instinct. It's all that we know. Is that actually true? Is that going to take me to life? Is it going to take me close to the heart and the mind of Christ? Or is it going to take me away from the heart and mind of Christ? Is it going to take me to death? There's another way, a narrow way, the Bible says. And the promise of that is that it will give us life, eternal life, and give us life more abundantly. That when I think about the longings of my soul, I want happiness, I want peace, I want meaning, I want purpose, I want fulfillment. The things that really, really count in our life, Jesus says, go this way. And these two things don't often intersect. And so this one seems normal because we're familiar with it. This one seems weird because it's kind of like a new way to think. This one can lead us away from Christ. This one takes us to the heart of Christ. So why would we be on this path is always the question. And the Bible says there's two big reasons why we would be on a path that takes us away from the heart of God. One reason is rebellion. Straight up, I know what God says. I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to live the way that I want to live and kind of forget it, God, and I'm going to do what I want. The other way, which I believe is the more predominant reason, is out of what the Bible calls ignorance. And when the Bible calls us ignorant, it's not insulting us, it's not saying that we're stupid. What that word in the Bible means is it just means unlearned, or I didn't know. <clears throat> Nobody ever taught me differently. Everybody said, this is why you go to school. Everybody said, this is, you're supposed to chase the dollar. Everybody said that once this happened, you will be happy. It's just what I know I'm ignorant that there's another way to live. There's a different filter to work through. There's another definition that I can strive toward. So we've been comparing those two things a little bit. And uh, if you want to catch up with the conversation, you can go out online. It's graceohio.org is our website. And they're there. You can watch them. You can listen to them. You can get a podcast if you want. It's all free. And uh, you can kind of come up to speed if you haven't been here for a little bit and, uh, and check those things out. <clears throat> this weekend, I want to further the conversation by talking about the imitation brand of success. What, what is success? What does it mean to be successful? How do we know if we've arrived or not? What have we been taught in that process? So I, as I started thinking about like, what is success, I, I, I actually couldn't come up with a clean definition, so I looked it up in Webster's, not on Wikipedia. I actually got a real definition about it. So uh, here's the definition of success. Success is the favorable or prosperous termination of attempts or endeavors, the accomplishments of one's goal. Success is the favorable or prosperous termination of attempts or endeavors, the accomplishment of one's goal. So we would say we have success when we accomplish what we've determined to accomplish, right? Now, based off of that definition, which I think is the, a good one, success then means that I am successful 
whenever I set out to do something and I do it, which means success is whatever I've determined it to be. There is no like clean standard of success. It's just what I've set in my mind and then in my heart to do. When I do that, I'm going to count myself as being successful. So if I'm a sophomore in high school and my, my goal is to be on the, 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 the starting line of the football team, I'm going to define my life as being successful if I accomplish that. Uh, if I'm in college and my goal is to graduate from my undergrad and get accepted into a master's program, I'm going to define myself as being successful when I accomplish that. If my goal is to get married, I'm going to be successful when I get married. If my goal is to have kids, my, if my goal is to get the promotion, whatever I set in my mind and in my heart to do, whatever it is, I'm going to determine if my life is successful based off of that. So success is a, is a very intangible thing. There's no real formula for success. There's not one in the Bible either. It doesn't say if you do X, Y, Z, then you'll be successful. It's really what I long for, what I, what I love, what I want to give my life to. Success is highly individualized, right? So success for you is very different than success for me. Uh, success is deeply personal. So for some of us, success, we would look and say, I feel successful. I'll be successful if I don't turn out like my dad. Like if I stay with my family and don't walk out like he did, I'm going to be successful. I'm going to be successful if I prove my mom wrong, because she always said I'd never amount to anything. Now look at me, right? So it's deeply personal success. It's deeply individualized. It's, un it's intangible. I can't just define it, touch it, measure it. And all of that means that success ultimately is a choice. I'm going to decide what success is. I'm going to do that on purpose, or maybe it's just things that have been kind of programmed into me by my family, my culture, my upbringing. But success ultimately is a choice. It's me choosing to put a goal in my mind and then me accomplishing that goal, whatever that goal happens to be. Okay, so success ultimately is whatever I determine success to be. Now, this is where the caution comes in and where we really need to get kind of God's definitions and his thought processes involved. Because success is a choice and success is whatever I determine it to be, that's just true, that's just the nature of it. Here's the caution. Whatever I determine success to be, is going to become what drives my life. Whatever I determine success to be is going to become what drives my life. I'm going to live for my definition of success. I'm going to invest myself toward my definition of success. I'm going to passionately pursue my definition of success. Whatever I determine it to be is going to be what drives my life. So if my determination is to not be my dad, I'm going to spend my life trying not to be my dad. If my determination is to make money, I'm going to spend my life making money. If my determination is to have perfect kids, I'm going to, I'm going to drive myself and my family to be perfect, right? Whatever I determine it to be, it's up to me, but whatever I determine it to be is going to be the thing that defines and drives my life, okay? Now, we're raising a culture then that takes all of that, that just is, that's not right, wrong, that just is the way success works, right? We live in a culture then that's going to have opinions about that. 
And our culture is going to lean in and say, well, you know, you should value this, you should value that, you should value this thing. You should value. If you spend your life this way, if you achieve this, you'll be happy. If you do this, you'll be fulfilled. If you get this, your life will be easy. If you get this, your life will have meaning. And so our, our culture, our upbringing, is going to have strong opinions about what success is. Our culture has a predominant definition of success. So there's one thing in our culture above all else that we have been raised to believe that if we achieve, then we believe down deep that we're gonna be successful, right? And it's not money and it's not power and it's not sex and it's not. The predominant definition in our culture of success is when I live life the way I want to, I will be successful. That's the predominant definition. When I live life the way that I want to live life, that is the true definition of success. So I'm gonna choose, I'm gonna define it, and then if I define it as money, if I get, if I get money, I'm gonna be successful. If I define it as freedom, when I get freedom, I'll, I'll be successful. If I, just, if I define it as being a smoking pot my whole life, if I can do that, right? I'm gonna move to Colorado, that's what I'm gonna do, right? I'm going to be successful. When I make my dreams come true, achieve what I want to achieve, accomplish what I set out to accomplish, have all my wishes come true, this is like every Disney movie ever made. Like I'm, I'm, when I fall in love, I, th then I'm going to be successful, and that's a predominant view. I decide what I want, I set those goals in, I strive for those goals, I accomplish those goals, and now I have lived a successful life, a life of meaning, purpose, fulfillment, I'm going to achieve it, right? Now, here's the problem, and we all know this. We all know this. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Because we all have put markers into our life that we were taught to go for because it's what we believed would make us happy, and we all have hit those markers, and it doesn't make us happy. It's an imitation brand. It has a nasty aftertaste to it. Right, so when, when we were younger, some of us, when I was in high school, I believed that if I could be popular in high school, my whole life would be, it's all I cared about, all I thought of. And guess what, I achieved it. And then guess what happened? I graduated. And the minute I got my diploma, no one cared anymore how popular I was. Then I got to college and I was like, oh man, you gotta, get, you gotta make money, you gotta make money. I remember, I remember being in college thinking, man, someday, if I could make like $20,000 a year, you know, I would be so happy, you know? And then you, you achieve it and you're like, ah, oh, I can't even live, right? And then, and then it's like, if, if this happens, if, it, if I could just fall in love and get married, if I just got married, all of my problems and all my insecurities would just go away, right? And that works, doesn't it, right? It's just, so, it, so we, we, we get that, we believe that, we set a mark, and then what happens is that mark keeps moving because we'll achieve it, we'll accomplish it, we'll cross the line, and then we realize, oh, that wasn't what it was cracked up to be. Oh, that wasn't, that didn't last very long. Oh, this is a lot harder than I, if I could just have kids, right? Because that's gonna make your life really easy to have kids, right? And so all of a sudden, how do you define success? And what happens is this, we'll say, I don't actually know but I'm gonna keep doing what I was taught to do. So if it's not 20,000, it's 30,000. It's not 30,000, it's 40. It's not 40, it's 100. It's not 100, it's 150. It's not 150, it's 200. 
and it never goes away. It's not this accomplishment, it's this one. It's not district manager, it's vice president. It's, it's, not, it's not having a baby, it's having the perfect baby. It's not having the perfect baby, it's being the ideal mom. It never goes away, but I'm achieving what I set out to achieve. Aren't I supposed to be happy? I graduated from college. I can't believe people aren't lined up to hire me. I am educated, right? And I got it, but it's not accomplishing it. I don't feel satisfied, at peace, happy, fulfilled. In fact, the more I double down on this definition, it seems like the more I move away from those things. There's a way, seems right, it's what I know. There's another way, it's a narrow way, God says, and he says there's a, there's a way that you can live and it's counterintuitive. If you, instead of living for the glory of yourself, if you live for the glory of God. In fact, if you do all things to glorify God, it will take you down a path that actually gives you what you want. You will make different decisions. You will land in different places. And there is meaning and there is purpose and there is happiness and there is fulfillment and there is satisfaction. In fact, there's eternal life. See, there's salvation down this path but you're going to have to filter the events of your life differently in order to move down this path to grab hold of what you're actually longing for. I live for the glory of God, success is me achieving what God would want me to have as opposed to me doing what I set out to do, okay? So how do you filter between those two things? How do you know, how do you position your life? Because there's not a list to follow. So how do you like discern it and get wisdom on it and think it through and move a different direction than what we would maybe instinctually move? Let's dig at this a little bit. Grab your Bibles if you got them. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, there's some there in the chairs. And it's page 798 in those Bibles. And if you have a, uh, an iPad or a smartphone, we use the YouVersion app. So you can open that up or uh, download it if you need to. Hit live event. We're Grace Church, our zip code's 44333. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul writes down this definition of success in verse 31. He says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. If I make, I got freedom to make the decisions that I need to make in life, I can choose, I can, because it's ultimately what success, it's, it's what I choose for it to be. And Paul would say, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. That's the choice you should make. Now, that little phrase is a qualifier. So me choosing to do whatever's for the glory of God eliminates sin. So I'm going to not make a sinful decision, I'm gonna make a Christ-honoring decision. So I look over here and say, I wanna be successful, so I'm gonna party like a maniac and wake in bed with like a hangover and like with somebody beside me. It's my freshman year of college all over again, but now I'm 40, I'm still living this way. God would be like, that, that's like, no, okay? 
because I'm, I'm making a broad decision not to pursue earthly things, worldly things, sinful things. I'm choosing to kind of eliminate those from my life. I'm living for the glory of God. How do I, how do, I do that then? Because I've been taught all these things, then I got like life to live. How do I navigate through those things so that I can look and say it's to the glory of God that's gonna be the outcome I live for? So Paul says, make that initial decision. Be a follower of Christ. It's the way that you kind of launch down this path. Then how do you navigate it? Well, he teaches us. You back up a little bit to verse 23. And he says this. I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. I have the right to, I can do anything I want, but is it beneficial? I can do what I want, but is it constructive? I don't live for myself, I live for the benefit of others. And that, that idea is all through the scriptures. I put others' interests above my own like Christ Jesus did, right? So I'm living outwardly. So here's the three, I can, I can use these three filters or these three lenses to start weighing my decisions. Here it is, ready? Is it beneficial? Is it constructive? Is it outwardly focused? Is it beneficial? Is it constructive? Is it outwardly focused? And as I run life through those lenses, I will start to eliminate, rule some things in, rule some things out as I seek to live for the glory of God, okay? So I'm gonna take things and I'm gonna ask those three questions. Let's pick these apart a little bit. Is it beneficial? Is the decision I'm about ready to make, is the investment I'm about ready to make, is the way I'm gonna about ready to position my life, is that beneficial? Beneficial to what? to the glory of God? Is it, the, is it beneficial to the glory of God? If I make this decision, is it allowing me to bring glory to God or is it going to allow me to bring glory to myself? If I make this decision, is it benefiting the work of, of God? Is it benefiting the Great Commission? Is it benefiting the work of the church? Because I am the church and the work of the church is my work, right? Is it benefiting the name of God? or is it neutral or is it negative, right? Can I do this? Well, you can do what you want, but is God glorified in any way through it? Am I allowed to spend my money this way? Spend your money on what you want, you can do what you want, but is it furthering the work of the kingdom? Can I involve myself in this activity? Well, you can do whatever you want, right? But is it, is it helping you or allowing you to be a part of a gospel-centered movement or not? Is it beneficial? That's different than saying, I have a goal, and I'm going to achieve my dreams, and I'm gonna chase down my passions, and when I accomplish what I accomplish, I'm gonna be successful. Careful, because the aftertaste of that can be nasty. Is it beneficial? I want to glorify God. I want to live a life of eternal value. I want to really impact people and be impacted by them. Is this decision gonna benefit that goal or not? Is it beneficial? Second lens or second filter we can take it through. Is, is it constructive? Do anything you want, but does it build up? Is it constructive? Paul asks the question in verse 23. So when I'm about ready to make this decision, is it going to build up or help the people around me and the work of God. So it's things like this. Should I take that promotion? 
right? Is that a good thing? Am I allowed to take the promotion? Yeah, you're not gonna hit, get hit by lightning if you take the promotion, probably. It depends on what job you're in, I guess, right? So am I allowed to take that promotion? Yeah, you can do what you want. That's not the question. Is that promotion beneficial to the things that bring glory to God? Is this promotion going to benefit my family or hurt my family? Well, man, you know, uh, my, my, after the baby was born, my wife decided to stay home from her career for a little bit, and like, we're kind of hurting financially. I mean, that promotion would really bless my family. Well, you should probably take it then, see? It's constructive, it benefits, it helps. Well, this promotion is really gonna further my career. I mean, I'm gonna be vice president of district regional marketing assistant, right? And I'm gonna do that. Now I'm gonna travel six days a week and I'm not, my child isn't gonna remember I'm their daddy when I come back. But, well, is that constructive? Is that beneficial? Is that really what you want? See, I'm filtering it differently. Do, do I have the right to be a dual income family? Yeah, you do whatever you want, but why? Well, because we, we really want this bigger house and we've been thinking about this bigger house. It's been like, it's on our like 10 year goal to get this bigger house and that's great. Okay, I mean, if that's what it takes, you can do it. But are you going to, is it gonna help you create the home in that building that you want? Or is it gonna detract from the family that's going to live in the building? Because we're talking about a building. Is it constructive? Is it beneficial? Is it going to build your family? Is it gonna build the life? Is it gonna create relationships? Is it gonna facilitate the kingdom of God? Or is it just a bigger building? Can I be involved in that hobby that I'm involved with? Yeah, you do whatever you want. I can play golf? Yeah, you can play golf. Oh, great, man, because I play golf like 11 times a week. <laughs> all right, is that constructive? Oh, yeah, man, I, I make all my business connections. Okay, can I be in the Silk Flower Arrangement Club? I guess, you know, if you, if you want to spend your life doing that. I get, you get an award, it's a daisy. Uh, okay, you know, whatever. Is it actually benefiting the things that God says are of value in your life. Do what you want, you have the right to do anything. Is it constructive? Is it meaningful? Is it taking you into the relationships that actually have value? It's a very different question, see. Can I have my kids in three sports? I guess, you know, but is it beneficial, is it constructive? If Billy learns to do a perfect form tackle and you've given him over to his coaches to do that, is his ability to do that actually going to benefit him through life? Well, I think he can play pro ball. Have you watched your kid play football? Is that really gonna happen? Is his ability to tackle someone actually more valuable than him being grounded in the word of God. The traveling soccer and baseball and field hockey and lacrosse and it's just one thing. It, is you turning over the raising of your daughter to her coaches? 
more beneficial and constructive to her life than you having a relationship with her. What's beneficial, what's constructive? What if, I, what if I coach the team? That's a very different conversation. We're, just, we're thinking it through. The Bible doesn't put in a bunch of these prohibitions. It does with sin. Remember, we've ruled sin out. So sin's out. Now we're just into like things that are, that are amoral. They're just kind of there. Can I do it? Can I not? And the, and the scripture would say, yeah, you can, you can do what you want. God, the Bible actually is not a big to do and to don't book. It's really not that way. But the, the scripture would lean in and say, just weigh the value. Remember, the point is to live life to the glory of God. So when I'm making this decision, is it beneficial to that? Is it constructive to that? And then the last thing, is it outwardly focused? Is this decision about me? Or, or is, it, is it for the benefit of the people God put around me? See? Why, why do I need to achieve this next thing? Is it for my ego? Or does it actually benefit? Why, why do I need to go own this or do this? Is it for my ego or does it actually benefit? And it can go either way, right? Uh, we're, we're gonna have a dual income family. Well, how come? Well, because the kids are in college and we wanna help them. Well, that's a very different conversation, isn't it? We're a dual income family, how come? So we can all drive Lamborghinis. All right, <laughs> you know? I'm taking this promotion, how come? For, to, to help and to bless and to, taking this promotion, how come? So I can feel better about my title at work. Really? Because your kids give a rip what you actually do for a living? Is it beneficial? Is it constructive? Is it outwardly focused? Now I start using these lenses to weigh these decisions. Because remember, sin's out, right? Because we're seeking to glorify God. Now I'm just talking about how I'm defining the win, how I'm defining success. And that's ultimately going to be what I choose for it to be. But what I choose for it to be is going to be what drives my life. So I've been taught, decide what you want and go for it. The scripture would say, no, 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 understand what God values and invest yourself that way. And as I'm making the decisions, I'm just putting that decisions through a filter maybe I'd never put it through before. Is it beneficial? Is it constructive? Is it outwardly focused? And as I filter those things through, what's gonna happen if I'm seeking to live a life that I glorify God in, I'm gonna make different decisions. I'm gonna set my family up differently. How? I don't know how. You're gonna to have to filter it and it's gonna change through every season of your life, right? Every season of your marriage, of your family, of your friendships. It's all gonna shift around, that's okay. But I'm always seeking to make my investment ones that glorify God. Is it beneficial? Is it constructive? Is it outwardly focused? Now, as I take those, those kind of filters, I can start to wrap them into real-time decisions. And on the back of your program, I put some questions for you. Right, so flip that over real quick. And I just call these in ingredients to get what I really want out of life. I'm gonna start analyzing those filters, but I have to analyze those filters in a certain way or they're not valuable, okay? So if I don't, if I don't put the filters through these ingredients, I'm not gonna get any value out of the filters. So what are the, what are the kind of the ingredients that I have to analyze the filters with? Well, this is the first like, component of it. As I'm asking myself these questions, I have to actually be honest. 
What I'm asking, is it beneficial, is it constructive, is it outwardly focused? I have to be honest. And this is something we're all gonna struggle with, okay? Do you know the person that I trust the least in the world? You know the person who lies to me the most in the world and the most effectively on the planet? The person I trust the least because he lies the best is me. I lie to myself better than anybody else lies to me. I trust me the least of any other human being on the planet. So when I'm asking is something constructive, is it beneficial, is outwardly focused, I have to be careful of the answer I give myself because I will make something what I want it to be in order to justify the behavior that I'm about ready to put into place. That makes sense? So I, I need a new car. You need a new car? Yeah, I need a new car. What are you thinking about getting? Uh, a Maserati. How come? For the kids. <laughs> For the kids. Yeah. Or if you're really good, if you've grown up in church enough, how come you're getting that? For Jesus? <laughs> well, how come? Because to tell people about Jesus, I have to drive there and do it. I, I will lie to myself the most. See, how come you're making that decision? For the benefit of the family? Really? Like how? Well, if I make that decision and I make a lot more money, then I can take the family on trips. Oh, so that one weekend with your kids will make up for those months of never being home at night? Yes. It's quality time, not quantity time. <laughs> sure that's not just for you? No, I'm not that shallow, <laughs> right? See how that works? So when I'm asking, when I'm, when I'm running the filters, is it beneficial, is it constructive, is that really focused? Be honest, stop lying about it. Stop justifying it. For good night, stop spiritualizing it and be, be really honest. And if, you're, if you struggle with it, ask your wife, ask your husband. And if, you, if they struggle with it, ask your teenager. They'll give you an honest answer, okay? And start asking those questions. Wait a minute, is it beneficial? Is it constructive? Is it outwardly focused? But I must do that honestly. Now here's the second thing. When I'm asking those questions, I need to be thoughtful. I need to be thoughtful. And this is, this is what I mean by this. Do you guys ever think about who will surround your bed when you die? I think about this stuff all the time. I, I don't know. I, I think I just do a bunch of funerals. And so I, I think about the end of life all the time. And I, I've kind of, over the years, I've kind of seen it all, right? And one of the things that I've realized that in, in my most naked moment is when I'm dying and the room is not packed. There are very few people, when I get to the end of life, there are very few people who are, who are close enough to be in that experience with me. So I think about all the time, who's gonna surround my bed when I die? I think about all the time who my pallbearers are gonna be. They're, they're, my, my five or six true friends are gonna be the ones that carry me to the grave. And I am very thoughtful about that. Now, why that's important is this. 
if I think about who's gonna surround my bed when I die, I'm probably thinking about the most important relationships in my life. Because chances are my boss and my coworkers aren't gonna be around the bed when I die. Chances are my drinking buddies aren't gonna be around the bed when I die, right? It's going to be Heidi and my kids and maybe those five or six pallbearers, and that's it, right? Now, it doesn't mean we're all jerks to each other. It's, it's just the reality of life. Because when I die, you're gonna come to my viewing, but you're not gonna come into that room. You're just not. And even, even us, like I love you, I know you love me, I, we don't have, we've got a great relationship, but it just is what it is. When I die, you're gonna come to my viewing, you're gonna few, sing a few songs, even then the music's gonna be too loud because I'm gonna insist on it being that way, more subwoofer, right? And so it, it's, it's like, hey, it's just gonna be, a way, you're gonna go away, you're gonna, you're gonna feel bad, you're gonna miss me, right? And then guess what? You're going to get another pastor and he's gonna stand up here and take leadership over the church. Pastor Ryan is after my job and I know it. <laughs> I, I don't, I hate Pastor Ryan, right? So it's, but right, it, that's, it's the way of it. No matter how much your boss loves you and your friend, he's gonna replace you. The people whose life is going to be permanently forever changed Heidi's life, when I die, her life is gonna be forever changed because we're one. Half of her is going to die when I die. My children's life is going to be forever changed. No one on the planet ever can come in and be a father to my children, period. When I die, their life is forever changed. Change. There's some pallbearers that their lives are gonna be forever changed. The rest of us are going to move on. And it's not because we're jerks, it's just the way that it is. So when I'm asking the question, is it beneficial, is it constructive, is it outwardly focused? I'm asking that in a set of priorities. And I'm asking that first about my relationship with Christ because that's the one I really need to lean into. And then I'm asking that about my marriage. I'm asking that about my children. I'm asking that about a, a, a close set of friends, maybe some nieces and nephews. See what I mean? It's a descending order. And I need to be thoughtful about that because as I'm making valued decisions, I want my life to bring glory to God. Those decisions are gonna be directed at a few people first and then a descending order and it's fascinating the people who ask for our time the most are usually the people furthest from that bed you should be doing this you should be doing this you should be at this gathering you should be on this committee you should be in seen seen this way the people closest to that bed are often the least demanding and so the temptation is, if I die, then this committee will care about this, and these people will care about that, and the newspaper will say this, and these people will know this, and the soccer association, they'll really care. And they do, they're not jerks, they're just not around the bed. 
I need to be thoughtful about that. And I consider it. Is it beneficial? Is it constructive? Is it outwardly focused? So I'm being honest because I lie to myself. I'm being thoughtful. And then here's the last thing. I need to be brutal. I need to be brutal with my investments. I need to be brutal with saying no. I call it being violent with your schedule. This is the temptation. The temptation is just to manage, manage it all. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a bunch of this, I'm gonna shove a little bit of Jesus in there, a bunch of this, I'm gonna kinda get, cram my, my husband in there, a bunch of this, make sure the kids, a bunch of this. And the temptation is to manage it all. And it's fascinating, when Jesus talks specifically about sin, and more broadly about anything that is not him, he never speaks in terms of management, he always speaks in terms of amputation. If your eye offends you, pluck it out, he says. If your hand offends you, cut it off. And what he's saying is, if something is of no value, if something does not have eternal value, if something is distracted from living a life that glorifies God, cut it out of your life. And then in descending order, as I am being thoughtful and I am being honest and I am evaluating, is it beneficial, is it constructive, is it outwardly focused? It means I have to start cutting good things out of my life in order to invest myself in great things that bring glory to God. I'm going to say no, and that's going to frustrate people, and that's going to affect people, and that, that's, going, that's going to maybe not cause me to climb the ladder as fast or as far, and I'm going to say no, and the people that I said no to are going to be really upset, and then guess what they're going to do? They're going to get someone else to do it. But the people I just said yes to are going to be more deeply impacted, more deeply discipled, more deeply valued, and the eternal lifelong payoff of that is going to matter. Because when I get to the end of my life, my title at work is not going to fulfill me. My score on the softball team is not going to fulfill me. My silk flower club, how well my kids were seen when they were in high school, is not going to fulfill me. My relationship with Christ and the people closest to me is actually my definition of success. And I'm going to have to live against the grain because nowhere does the culture celebrate that. Now what happens is I am honest and thoughtful and brutal as I evaluate what's beneficial, constructive, and outwardly focused. When I pull back and I get a macro view of that, and I look at a culture who has a very strong opinion about how I should spend my life, and I look at the outcome of those investments, is that what you want? Everybody said I should take that promotion, said the guy who's on his third marriage. Everybody knows that you gotta achieve this, this house, says the person who's losing the house in the divorce and their kids don't talk to them anymore. The guy with the most toys dies alone. See? And when I look at a broad scope and I really pull back and I look at what's going on with the culture, and I think, 
They're the ones saying I should do this and that's the outcome of their thinking. Christ says something very differently and the outcome of his thinking is actually the stuff that I, that I actually want. I want to love and be loved. I, I want to invest, I want my life to matter. I want my grandkids to talk about me. And all of a sudden, success being a choice, being what I define it to be, becomes a very, very big deal. And I have to decide what I'm gonna invest myself in. So a few years ago, uh, 15, 16 years ago, um, I used to travel quite a bit. Before we started Grace, we used to travel quite a bit. And uh, some people came to me and they said, you're really talented, and I said, I know. And they said, you know what you should do? You should, you should be on the road. You should hit the speaking circuit. And I said, you know, I, I like that idea. And it's for Jesus. And so I could spiritualize everything I was doing. And I would travel. I'd travel a couple times a month. I'd hit the road. And it started off with like youth retreats and turning into youth conferences and teaching at colleges and all this kind of stuff. And I was just out and about all the time. And it was great. And I was rising on the circuit and I speak to tens of people and hundreds and now thousands of people. And I would go there and they would give me the red carpet treatment and I would sign autographs and I was the greatest thing and your name was in lights and it was awesome. And so I was doing that a lot and pursuing it. I kind of kept growing and growing and growing. And I thought about doing it full time actually. And um, I was gone one time on the road and I went to this big conference and when I got there, I found out I had a fan club. I didn't know I had a fan club, but I had a fan club. And I walked in and all these kids had these buttons with my picture on it, it's great. And they had mo made these posters, like we love Jeff Bogue, it was fantastic. And so I was literally signing autographs and stuff. I was like a little mini rock star, it was awesome. And so I was there doing that and I preached and God moved and like hundreds of people like came forward and made big, big, big decisions for the Lord and it was fantastic and I was all jacked up about it. So I was driving home and I was driving home in the middle of the night, which I would do all the time. I'd come home in the middle of the night because I was out and about and had to get back for something else. So I drive home in the middle of the night by myself. I called Heidi on the phone. She was at home. We had babies at the time, not like kids, but like babies, you know? And I'm like, hey, how are you? And she's like, oh, I've had a really rough weekend. Uh, the kids have the stomach flu. One's puking, one's got diarrhea. And I've been up all night. I haven't slept. I was like, oh, that's too bad. Hey, let me tell you what's going on. And I'm serving Jesus and people think I'm great. And I, 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 very easily might be on TV once. And so I'm like, you know, this is, this is like incredible. And she, I'm like, well, what's that noise in the background? Oh, that's, that's your son puking. Well, can you keep him quiet? I'm trying to tell you something. And so I'm telling her all about this and I finish the conversation. It's like two in the morning, but she's up with these sick kids. And I pull in the driveway, I say, oh, I'll be right in. And I hung up the phone. I said, I'm here, hung up the phone, I walk in. I walk in the door. And as I opened the door, she met me at the door and one of the boys had blown out their diaper and like diarrhea was running down her leg. And, and she handed me the baby and she goes, welcome to reality, hotshot, like that. And I thought to myself, you godless woman, I can't believe that you, you don't understand how amazing I am. You know, here I'm changing the world and what do you got to change a diaper? How hard can that be? And so that led to a discussion fight. And we, we had this long conversation about it all. And I want to I glorify God with my life. I do. 
and I was doing good things, great things, see. But God had given me something greater. And I had to ask, am I, am I doing what's beneficial, constructive, and outwardly focused? Don't lie to yourself. Oh yeah, I am serving Jesus. And I'm doing that while leaving my wife with all the kids. I am discipling people when my babies don't necessarily recognize me when I come home. I'm changing the world when the highest calling of my life would have been changing a diaper. And then I, then I have to be thoughtful. You know, these are teenagers that are my fan club. They're not gonna remember me in a year. Is that, because I'm in and out of town. I don't know, I'm not discipling, I'm not building anything permanent. I'm literally just being a celebrity. Is that what I, and then brutal. See, I got to some decisions to make. Because what I really want, I really want to be the kind of dad that my dad was. I really want to give my life away like he did for me. That's why I really, I really want to have a healthy marriage and a great family. And the path that I'm on, it, I'm not running to sin, I'm just not going to be successful. So we made some brutal decisions, right? And changed gears and canceled all these things and all these contracts and, and I'm not gonna come, I'm not gonna, oh, people were so mad. They were upset, they couldn't believe it. God wasn't gonna work and it was, uh, the, the world was gonna end. And then you know what they did? They booked someone else. because anybody can do what I was gonna do, but only I could be a daddy to my children. Only I could invest in my home. See how it works? You gotta decide, guys, you gotta decide. And you gotta, you gotta have the backbone to do it. And when you make the hard decisions, you'll look back and you'll be so glad that you did. See? I, I'm really confident we would have never started Grace if we hadn't made those decisions. See? So you look back and you're like, oh, now I see, Lord, why you brought me to that point of crisis, point of decisions. But in the moment, you feel like you're walking away from everything you were ever taught to chase down. Isn't this supposed to be? It's not. And we all know it, but we all don't know what else to do. And Christ comes in and he says, hey, listen, let's filter this thing. Let's live a life that glorifies me. How do you know? Is it beneficial? Is it constructive? Is it outwardly focused? Ask yourself that question, but be honest. Be thoughtful. Who's around your bed? And be brutal. Make the decision. And you seek first the kingdom of God, and these things will be added unto you. 
you will look back and you will actually have what you long for, success. I'm gonna pray for us. And as I do, the band's gonna come out. And I encourage you to flip that piece of paper over, start asking yourself, start writing down what success is for you, right? What you're investing, be honest, be thoughtful, be brutal. What are you giving your life to? Ask what have I given my life to? Has that actually worked? Or what do I actually crave? What are the longings of my soul? God promises. You decide. So I'll pray and we'll sing and we'll think. We'll ask God to lead us, all right? Jesus, help us in this. God, it's hard. It takes faith, Lord. I don't know how else to do it. It takes faith. We're believing in what we can't see. It doesn't make sense. We weren't raised this way. It seems counterintuitive. So God, give us the faith to go where we wouldn't go on our own. And then God, thank you for your love and your promise. Lord, thank you that you want to give us what we want. We just need to trust you to receive it. Help us to recognize the invitation brand, to pivot where we need to, and to pursue the things that bring glory to you and ultimately satisfaction to us. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.